Coast to coast, nonstop action. This is the premier source for National Hockey League news. Scores, highlights, and the Anaheim Ducks. It's time to light the lamp with Alexis Downing. Welcome to Light the Lamp here on Duck Stream from the Paul Korea Studio. I am your host, Alexis Downey. Happy Friday. I hope you had a great week so far. The Ducks are continuing their road trip with just one game left on Saturday night back in San Jose. And they fell on Thursday night to the Vancouver Canucks in a high-scoring affair, 8-5. Canucks' Elias Pettersson had a five-point night, and Andre Kuzmenko netted his first career hat trick. It was a tough night for the team, particularly a goalie interference call that didn't go the Ducks' way. But they will look to bounce back on Saturday night. A big part of the night on Thursday was the celebration of Kevin Bieksa officially retiring as a Canuck. He signed a one-day contract to do so, and he spent 13 seasons in the NHL with both the Canucks and the Ducks, so pretty fitting that he retired during that game. Let's take a look now at some of AD's takeaways from Thursday night's loss in Vancouver. Finally. The team broke the power play streak and netted two of them. The first being an icebreaker from Troy Terry to begin the game and the second one coming later in the third period from Trevor Zegras. So great to see that on the road, finally getting points on the power play. Also, a very cool stat from Troy Terry after this game. He has recorded the most points in franchise history through Anaheim's first 11 games. That's 15 points so far leading the team. He passed Tamu Solani, Corey Perry, and Paul Correa, who sat at 14 points with that record previously. So pretty good company that he has on that list. Now, one thing, though, the Canucks were still able to capitalize on the power play. The Ducks continued to struggle with their penalty kill and staying out of the box. The team has allowed at least one power play goal in the last six games, so hopefully they can get that cleaned up on Saturday. Now, late in the third period, the Canucks scored an early goal that extended their lead back to two goals. However, the Ducks opted to challenge it for goalie interference. Now, if you were watching the game, it happened pretty quick, but during the replay, you could see it a little bit more clearly. Now, the officials in Toronto said that it was not goalie interference, and the call on the ice stood. This was a bit controversial for Ducks fans who said that it definitely was goalie interference. The Ducks would go on to get a delay of game penalty that the Canucks ended up scoring on. So that was a really frustrating sequence in the game, and it seemed to give Vancouver some momentum to finish out the period, unfortunately not in the Ducks' favor. Now, Anaheim will face off against San Jose back at the SAP Center on Saturday night, like I mentioned, at 7.30. You can listen to the call here on Duck Stream with Steve Carroll, Dan Wood, and Josh Brewster. Now let's go coast to coast to hear some of the best goal calls from around the NHL last night, beginning with the Chicago Blackhawks and LA Kings game on Thursday night. The Hawks have had a pretty solid start to their season in the Central Division, but tied in regulation, this game took overtime and it would be the winner from Blackhawks, Jonathan Taves, who netted it one minute and 31 seconds into overtime. Here are the exciting call now from Blackhawks, John Weideman. Now it's taken away by McCabe. Here's McCabe in front for Taves. He shoots, he scores! Hawks win in overtime! The captain on the doorstep, Jonathan Taves, takes a goal mouthfeed. 
from McCabe that originated from the bottom of the right wing circle, and he buries it past quick. And the Blackhawks are back in the win column. Next on the docket, the Tampa Bay Lightning taking on the Carolina Hurricanes. Certainly two very competitive teams. This was a great game. Now, despite the Bolts falling in the shootout, Andre Vasilevsky was the star of this game, making 52 saves. So let's talk about one of the Lightning's goals in this one. Nikita Kucherov netted the go-ahead goal for the Lightning in the second period with a five-on-three man advantage. Listen to the call by Lightning's David Mishkin. Rated point, walks at high slot. Right to go to Kucherov. Kucherov drifts top of the right circle. Right corner, Kalorn. Back for Kucherov, right circle. Shoot, score! Kucherov! Lightning have two power play goals tonight. They take the lead back three to two, and they will stay in the power play for a minute 25. That's how you make the other team pay. Next up, the Washington Capitals and Detroit Red Wings game on Thursday night. The Wings won this one 3-1, to one, but the lone goal for the Capitals came from none other than Alex Ovechkin. Ovi has officially tied the record by Gordie Howe for most goals with a single franchise. This call was unbelievable. you got to listen to it next by John Walton. One cleanly back to Sherratt. Cut off on the wall by Kuznetsov, brought it to Ovechkin, he scores! And he has tied Gordy Howe for the most goals scored in NHL history with one team. History here at Little Caesars Arena in Detroit, Michigan. Alex Ovechkin, 786, and Gordy Howe the same against Detroit. How about Alex Ovechkin? One more to be the most all-time with a single National Hockey League team. Oh, nice job by Alex Ovechkin. Rips that puck. We've seen him do it so many times. Kuznetsov feeds it to him. Top shelf. And you knew it was a matter of time, and what a shot. Goaltender had no chance on that one. They lose a draw, but they battle back, get the loose puck, and they end up getting a goal. It is Ovechkin's sixth goal of the season, and 786 of his NHL career overall he still trails Gordy Howe by 15 but in terms of goals with one franchise he now is tied with Gordy Howe at 786. And the last one coming from the New York Rangers and Boston Bruins game the Bruins have continued to tear it up leading throughout this game despite the Rangers trying to fight back to stay in it David Pasternak netted the first of the game with an impressive backhand Listen to the call by Judd Surratt. Goodrow up to the left point. Jones shoots, blocked. Pasternak's got it. And Pasternak played it off the wall to himself. Able to lean on a check, a backhand, he scores! David Pasternak from an impossible angle, snuck it by Igor Shesterkin. Bruins won, Rangers nothing. So if you've listened to the Ducks radio broadcast and now Duckstream over the years, you're very familiar with the voice of Josh Brewster. Brewster is in his 17th season with the team and has an abundance of stories from over the years. Hear from him now in this next segment. Joining Light the Lamp now is Josh Brewster, our post-game host for the Anaheim Ducks games right here on Duckstream. Josh, welcome in. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Alexis. Thanks for having me on. 
Now, many people may recognize your voice, but they don't know your story. You're the first broadcaster to make the leap from web to broadcast for an NHL club. Let's talk about your journey and how it all began. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. I, uh, the accomplishment was rather unintentional. You know, I'm no, goodness knows I'm no tech whiz, but basically about the uh, year 2000, I uh, was uh, at a radio school and I was developing um, this hockey show idea that I had. And at the time, you know, everybody had uh, dial up the, the phone mm -hmm. hookups for the internet. So, you know, you couldn't really listen to any radio and it was, it just really didn't work. And a, a couple of years, maybe a year or two later around 2001 or two, I noticed everybody started getting these ethernet cords from the cable company. So once I saw that, I recognized that uh, people would be able to listen to me on the web. Uh, I had been renting time on uh, at a radio station out here. And when everybody got the ethernet cords, I realized that uh, people could listen to my hockey show, which I called Hockey Talk. Uh, they could listen to it, uh, no problem on the web. Things were changing very fast. Uh, I, I started producing a show called Hockey Talk Audio Features, and I, I had a site called hockeytalk.biz, and at the time, I was doing a lot of voiceovers, uh, and a friend of mine from Buffalo, who I knew from many years before, uh, he, had, he had a band called the Goo Goo Dolls, they're still out there, <laughs> and, and, and Robbie, uh, Robbie Tackett was an engineer when I was a like a teenager and going into college, we were roughly the same age. But back in the 80s, he was an engineer at the state at the studio where I used to do my voiceovers. So we're, he moves out to LA and we're, we're good friends. And for the sake of my voiceover career, he he teaches me how to edit audio and he gives me a Neumann 87 microphone, which is extremely expensive. And he gives it to me. And so for my voiceover career, I start. Uh, using that at home. And when the Ethernet cords came around, I, I had this hockey show idea that I always wanted to do. And so I just figured, why don't I just put this on the web directly rather than renting time? So I'll try to make a long story short, but what I did was I took the Neumann microphone and I made an omnidirectional and I, I, put, a, I put a speakerphone across from me and I put the microphone in the middle and the microphone was so powerful. It sounded like something you were listening to on FM radio or, 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 you know, one of the talk radio guys on AM radio. So I developed a way to uh, record hockey players and people who wrote books about hockey and also executives. And I, I would, I would call them and I'd say, listen, this is something new. It's, it's web radio. Mm -hmm. They had no idea what I was talking about. And I said, I want to do like a 15 to 30 minute feature with you. That's evergreen, not about last night's game, but something that people can listen to for months on end. And so I was like, just play along. It's web radio. It's kind of a new thing. So I, I started posting these shows to my former site, hockeytalk.biz in the early 2000s. And I got a, a, a big response. So, uh, what happened was I just kept on building up this library of programs that I'd done mm -hmm. and with players and executives and, and authors and stuff. And uh, a few years later, 
uh, I was uh, quite honestly, I was already getting to my wits end because of course I was doing this all for free. You know, I was just mm-hmm. trying to find a way, a way to develop a show. And finally, uh, in September of 2006, uh, Aaron Teach rang me up. I had met him a few times over the years, but Aaron Teach called me up and, and, and offered me the opportunity to be the, the post-game host for the Ducks. He was aware of what I'd been doing on the web. And, and it's kind of funny because it's, it's like, un, you know, unknowingly, I was podcasting before there was podcasting. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was just, I, I, I just had a, it was a moment that I, I, I got it, you know, I just got it right. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it, uh, it worked out in the end. And I've been with the Ducks since 2006. Now, why hockey? What was it about the sport that made you so interested in it? Well, I grew up in Buffalo, New York. Which is, as you know, is a border town. You're mm-hmm. right there, right there, staring at Canada across <laughs> the river, and uh, you know it's all hockey there, uh, other than the Buffalo Bills football, which is huge. Hockey rules, and we had backyard rinks. I played street hockey every day of my life, and the the suburb that I grew up in uh, was where all the early Sabers lived. Okay, I was born in I, I was born in '66. And the Sabres came in in 1970, and Gilbert Perro, Craig Ramsey, Bill Height, Danny Gare, all of them, they all lived in my suburb because it was the new suburb. It was the what they were building, you know, so they all lived there. And we played street hockey every day, and uh, we played backyard rink hockey whenever somebody's dad would shovel out a square and <laughs> ice it down for a couple weeks. And it was, it was all hockey. All I ever wanted to do was, was be on Hockey Night in Canada. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I kind of found my way in. I had been an actor and a playwright and a comedy writer in Chicago for many years. And I wanted to do something after all that that was mine. And and a lot of people thought I was crazy to do hockey out here back in the early 2000s. And mm-hmm. I said, no, these these buildings are full. Honda Center's full. Staples Center's full. Someone will want this. And I, I had faith for a few years. And uh, quite fortunately, uh, Aaron called me one day. Now, how do you feel your background in acting kind of helped you on the broadcasting side as well? Well, you know, it, it helped tremendously because I, I did improv in Chicago with a number of people who went on to very great things. Did like you Saturday do it at, Night Live? And, did you do it yeah, at Second that? City by chance? No, I was <laughs> not at Second City. I wish I was. I wish I was. I was at. I was at. Uh, I was at Improv Olympic. Okay. And I was there at a time when there's a lot of people who there was a number of people who went on to the big, big thing. Mm-hmm. And as I was getting a little burned out on the acting and sending out headshots and running around auditioning uh, back in the late nineties, I started to ask myself, cause I had written a play. Uh, I wrote a comedy and I, I directed it back home in Buffalo. And I realized I really needed to do something that was mine rather than audition for something that was everybody else's. Uh, everybody I knew who was successful, uh, they had either made their own films or they were at Second City, and somehow the world was coming to them. And I said, look, you either start doing stand-up or you start shooting your own films or do your hockey radio idea because you got to do something that's yours. It's, it's, just, it's a brutal business, and you know some people are very good at booking things off auditions, but... Uh, ultimately I was getting a little older. I was into my, well into my thirties and I said, you got to do something that's yours. Mm-hmm. You gotta, you, you gotta have something that's yours rather than 
uh, try to do something that everybody else is doing. And one of those things that is yours is duck calls that you host on the post game show. So let's talk about how that has evolved over the years and where the idea to begin that started. Well, you can thank Aaron Teets <laughs> for duck calls. Uh, I, I, I thank goodness every day for Aaron Teets <laughs> and for also, and also uh, for the late, great Bob Wagner. He was an executive with the Ducks. Um, Aaron wanted a post-game show for the road games because, um, you know, the team was running for the bus or whatever, and they needed a guy, you know, to be back here. And so for the eight, the first eight years of the show, this is year 17, for the first eight seasons of the show, it was just road games. And then in 2014, uh, Aaron called me and said, we're going to do the home games too, which, you know, which is amazing. And um, so that's how it started. And, and the, the idea I always had for duck calls was, first of all, to have a guest. You know, I, 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 a, I'm there for your calls. You know, that's my, my number one priority mm -hmm. are the calls. Obviously it's duck calls. It's for the fans, but I want, you know, nobody, I mean, nobody out here, not to be too critical, but if you listen to sports talk radio, they're not doing hockey. And I said, somebody has got to talk to, uh, to, you know, to the players, to coaches, to broadcasters, mm -hmm. to writers, someone's got to offer hockey fans some access to that, you know, because they're really not talking about it on the radio. So I wanted to have guests and I've always had guests. And uh, so that's, that was the genesis of the show. Who have been some of your uh, most interesting guests we'll say. Okay. Uh, my most interesting guests. Okay. Well, I think the, I think one of the best hockey talkers uh, is Craig Button. We do here on mm. uh, TSN up in Canada, and you see him on NHL Network. Craig uh, knows every hockey player on the planet. Mm -hmm. He's a scouting. He's a scouting maven. He's great. Uh, other other ones, Stan Fischler, who I I cannot believe is not in the Hockey Hall of Fame after all the many dozens of books he wrote. And his wife blew the doors open for women to work uh, in the press box. Uh, she took the. I mean, she she took them to court and. Uh, Stan, Stan Fischler and his wife, Shirley, uh, were tremendous people. And, um, and then obviously, uh, Wayne Gretzky was a <laughs> tremendous guest. Yeah. And you know, what's funny about one thing I've learned, Alexis, and I don't know if this has been your experience, people who are really great at what they do are usually the most gracious people. Like the night we had Wayne Gretzky, mm -hmm. you, you know, it's gotta be, this has gotta be the night, right? You have Wayne right. Gretzky. Uh, there's all these technical glitches. And, and it's like, he's got to sit on hold for like 10 minutes while an engineer gets it all fixed. And he was just the most gracious guy. And, and, and no problem, whatever I can do for you. Gary Bettman is a great guest. Mm -hmm. The people at the top of the profession are often the most gracious. And uh, that's been really gratifying to find out. Uh, so those are, those are some of them. And then, I mean, you know, anytime you can have a duck like, you know, Ryan Getzlaff or Scott Niedermeyer mm -hmm. did the show years ago. Uh, those are obviously always great. Now, what is it like working with the crew and Steve and Dan? Oh, uh, well, you know, I've known them for so long now. You know, it's funny. I mean, gosh, I, I remember I was here for three years before Dan came in and Dan's been here a long time. He just celebrated his thousandth game. So 
you know, we all we all go back a ways. Steve Carroll, uh, Steve Carroll actually introduced me to Aaron when the Ducks were in the Stanley Cup final back in 2003. And Steve is, is uh, has a tremendous sense of humor, which uh, is is very welcome. People can often take themselves too seriously uh, in the sports business. And Steve, Steve has been wonderful. And Dan, uh, Dan, as you know, was a writer for a long, mm-hmm. long time. So he thinks a little bit like I think. You know, he likes he likes to have things written down. He he likes to do his research. Uh, but uh, I I enjoy it. You know, we have a lot of laughs up there uh, in the booth and. Uh, they, they really are just uh, great guys to work with, and they've been very easy. There's never been any drama. There's, there's always uh, it's always very positive, and and there's a lot of gratitude. You know, you got to remember Steve Carroll, for example. <laughs> I mean, I talk about me doing this for free for a few years before anything caught uh, a tread. Steve Carroll, you know, it's a typical story of a guy working his way up from mm-hmm. doing my mi- doing minor pro sports, and you know, uh, there's a lot of gratitude there and, and we all enjoy each other's company and and uh that's also true of hazy and all too but they're on the tv side but uh but uh, there's a lot of gratitude for, for being there i definitely felt that immediately when i got here this year with the ducks and everyone's been so awesome to work with so far well you know what if you're doing listen if i if i'm doing 17 years and i gosh i've known Merritt tully and, and alex gilchrist as long as they you know if, if you've done 17 years in the NHL, Alexis, do you, do you have any idea what a miracle that is? <laughs> I, I, I'm totally blessed. In, in this business, you know, when, when you work for someone uh, like, when you work for the Ducks, uh, one thing I discovered is that, uh, I'll, just, I'll just say Aaron, because there's other people, but it's mostly Aaron. He, he had the confidence of who he hired, you know. Mm-hmm. He had the courage of his convictions. He's not looking to change chairs every couple of years just to because he's acting out of fear. You know what I mean? There's two kinds of people who manage people who manage out of fear and people who really have confidence in what they're doing. And if you take a look around you and you look at guys like Alex and Merritt and Aaron and all these folks and Hazy and all, all these people who have been around a long time, you know, loyalty is in short supply. And I'm firmly convinced that if I worked for probably 90% of the other teams in the league, someone probably would have shifted the chair under me at some point. And, uh, you know, it's just to make a change. But we've but it takes, I think, I think courage and management to be loyal and to actually try to build something and to build consistency. Mm -hmm. And and so I'm actually quite grateful uh, to to work for the the Ducks. Uh, It's funny. It was the day they changed the name from Mighty Ducks to Ducks that I I walked up to Aaron because I'd known Aaron for years. Uh, But I I finally said, you know, I said to myself, you know, this this hockey web radio thing, it's only going to go so far. And I was like, I better go say hi to Aaron. I said, hi, Aaron. Mm -hmm. I said, listen, Aaron, if you if you ever need anything, even once in a while, uh, I, I would love the opportunity. And he, he said, okay, you know, God mm-hmm. said, thanks a lot, Sh- shake hands. And about three weeks later, the phone rang. That's awesome. It really is like a family here. Uh, d- now, looking at all of the success that the team has had over the years, especially since you've been here, I mean, going back to the Stanley Cup, what was that like for you? Well, yeah, I couldn't have been hired in a better <laughs> year, huh? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, well, that, look, that, <laughs> that team came out of the gate like a freight train running downhill and nothing was going to stop it. Nothing. There was basically 
there, uh, I, uh, there was no threat to them winning the cup. I, I, no disrespect to the Ottawa Senators, but uh, at the time, but that team was uh, absolutely destined. So you had that, and then, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting. You take a look at the Samuelis hiring Brian Burke. And that was a really, really, really significant move. It's a, you know, when, when you look at clubs, but you look around, excuse me, you look around the league and you see clubs, they, they misfire on a key hire as the manager, right? They misfire, then they got a couple of years later, they got to get another one and they get another one. It, it, it really puts a drag on what you're trying to build. And um, ownership with the Ducks, I mean, you know, I've talked to Gary Bettman on the air about what the Samuelis bring. Uh, it's it's it should be a model mm-hmm. for any ownership, and it Absolutely. should also be a model for any. It should be a model for any ownership in a in a warm weather climate, as well as being a model in general. Uh, you know, it, it, it's interesting. Uh, I just think that that between Burke and then we went into the years of Bob Murray, it was always a very very high standard and. Um, guys who had high expectations and, and, and surrounded themselves with really good scouting people like Martin Madden. And there's been real consistency. And, and I think the consistency has been one of the best things that the Ducks have going for sure. Now, as you've watched the game of the NHL change over the years, in what ways has it been interesting for you to see? Like what, what has this involvement of the style of play been like for you? Well, you know, it's interesting. A, a year before I was hired, you know, there was the big lockout mm-hmm. uh, and we missed an entire year. And then the NHL came back and they were thinking of ways to increase offense. They were thinking of uh, finally cracking down on all the obstruction and holding. I remember one of my guests by the name of Jeff Klein, he wrote for the New York Times. He had written a book called The Death of Hockey in the early 2000s because the game really was uh, it was it was getting to be very boring. And there's no way hockey should be boring. No way. And when they opened it up with the, the, the hooking and holding infractions, a lot of people started making noise about, uh, oh, you're not going to be able to hit anybody anymore. It, it all turned out to be nonsense. Mm-hmm. It was the best thing the NHL could have done is to really, to really appraise how the game is played and to trust guys like Steve Waltham, who's the head of officiating, to carry out a plan to uh, to, to crack down on hooking and holding and open the game up. And, you know, remember something. There's, you know, there's a finite, the NHL rink is finite and it's standard around the league. It's not going to get any bigger. And, and you really have to be crafty to find ways to increase scoring. And, and I think that, that what came as a result of that lockout was really significant. And now, uh, you know, it's interesting. One thing that's happened even after that, in, in, after the years that the, the Ducks, who goodness knows the, the 06, 07 Ducks, they love to fight. I mean, they love <laughs> to fight. And it was, they, they love. And, 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 and if you notice now, it's uh, an enforcer, having an enforcer on your team who doesn't do much more than fight is not a luxury that teams can afford. And, uh, it's a younger game. It's a faster game. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been interesting. I think the NHL has done a good job of, of appraising its, its uh, entertainment value. And uh, that's what I think has been very significant. And I think the game, I will tell you, I think the game is in better shape right now 
than it's ever been. And trust me, I'm one of these old timers who, you know, I always point <laughs> to the seventies. I love the seventies mm-hmm. and all that. I love the eighties, but uh, the game is in really, really good shape right now. Now, when you look at the team right now and where the ducks are, obviously wasn't the best start with that first road trip, but we've seen some improvement on the ice in different areas. What's been your take on where the team is at and hoping to move in, you know, the coming weeks even. Well, let's take a look at the improvement uh, because there are some silver linings here. Mm -hmm. Uh, The offense is is much more, uh, the offense is coming along. There's not a shortage of goals. And one of the things that's happened in the last few years is the Ducks have ranked very poorly in terms of goals per game. But if you look, the one thing they've been able to do is get the offense going. The second thing, and I always say this, is you just just take the goalie numbers and throw them out. You're good with John Gibson. You're good with Anthony Stolarz. They're making big saves for you. Some nights they're not, you know, they're not world class, but most nights they really are elite, mm-hmm. uh, elite goaltenders. So you're good in the net. Where things are going sideways for the Ducks, I think is in defensive zone coverage, and I also think that offensively. The Ducks are going to have to find a way to move better as a five-man unit. There's times when you'll see Troy Terry, for example, go into the offensive zone, and there's nobody there to give him an option to pass to. Mm-hmm. Nobody's in front of the net, or they're not. They're, nobody's available. And I remember Ken Hitchcock, the, uh, the the famous Dallas Stars coach, who coached St. Louis, coached a bunch of clubs, mm-hmm. Billy. He once said to me, you can only defend so much of the ice at once. And one thing I'd like to see the Ducks do is is move as a five-man unit a little better than they do. Josh Brewster, so great to have you join us here on Light the Lamp. Everyone can hear you throughout the season as a part of the Anaheim Ducks games on the postgame. And make sure to call in for Duck Calls, too. Absolutely. Hey, Alexis, that number again, 714-940. 2888. In fact, call now and then just tell them to put you on hold till the next game. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but listen, Alexis, I got to tell you something. I think that uh, uh, you're a great addition to the team. And uh, I, I think it's great that you're producing all this, uh, all this content, all these shows. I, I know <laughs> I only have to book one show and I know what that's like. So <laughs> I, my hat is, my hat is off to you. And uh, I, uh, I, I, we appreciate your, your hard work. And I, I, hope that uh, as time unfolds, it just gets better and better for you. And uh, I love that this is 24-7 on Duckstream, so I, I wish you well. Thank you so much. It's time for my final quack for this episode where I share my last thoughts before the end of the show and the end of the week. In this case, the Ducks will be back at home on Sunday night when they welcome the Florida Panthers to Honda Center. The team is celebrating Native American Heritage Night during the game, so make sure to come out for all of the festivities. Thank you for listening to Light the Lamp. I am Alexis Downey. Have a great weekend and come back again for lots more hockey talk right here on DuckStream. This is an Anaheim Ducks original production on DuckStream.